verse 12 and 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Thank you, Sean. Let's uh, lift up Mike as he brings God's word to us this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mike, Lord, and we thank you for the time that you have spent together this week preparing the words for today. Lord, we pray that you will come in power by your Holy Spirit and deliver those words, Lord Jesus, and change lives this morning through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, good morning everyone. It's great to see you all. Remember to look out for new folk amongst us um, and to give them a warm welcome, make them feel at home. Just imagine if it was you here for the first time uh, and how you would like to be received. Uh, people never forget how they're received or not received, um, so it's crucial. So look out for new people, welcome them, say hello. Um, Great service last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, really great time that we had. And um, it's good to reflect back um, at the past and be reminded of all that Christ has done because it increases our faith when we look back and we remember uh, all the things that God has done. That's why it's good to keep prayer journals sometimes so you can look back and see how God has answered your prayers over the years because we forget, we forget. 
Um, but we also need to remember at the same time, great though it was last week, that it was the past. <laughs> it was the past. And we now need to look forward. Uh, we're only at the foot of the mountain of, uh, of climbing Mount Everest, as it were. We're at base camp. Um, we've laid the foundations, literally, in, t in the physical foundations and the spir spiritual foundations here at Oakley. But we're at base camp and we need to carry on climbing the mountain to reach uh, the top of Everest. So it's an exciting journey. So it's great to look back because it encourages as we see and we're reminded of all that God has done. But at the same time, we don't hold on and we don't stay in the past. We need to now look forward and move onwards and upwards, as they say. Uh, and we mustn't lose sight of that because we still have a great adventure before us as we continue to climb uh, the mountain. Okay, so we're going to continue our series in um, uh, 1 Corinthians where we're looking at problems and issues uh, in the church. And we've looked at a number of problems and issues in the church over the past few weeks. The church at Corinth that Paul comes and addresses in no uncertain uh, manner often. Uh, and this week we look at the topic that Paul is addressing, which is that of temptation. Uh, he addresses the Corinthian church because they're uh, falling into all manner of, uh, giving in to all manner of temptation. So he pulls them up on this and he wants to address them and uh, steer them through that. And it's important to know at the outset that everybody is tempted. Every single one of us is tempted. And it's important to know that it is not a sin to be tempted. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like us. So it is not a sin to be tempted. The sin is giving in to temptation. And if we're honest, all of us have battles uh, with temptation. And Jesus doesn't say, in the Matthew passage that we had read, he doesn't say, watch and pray so you won't be tempted. He takes it for granted that we will. Because he knows that however mature however, uh, or however long you've been a Christian, you never ever reach a point where you're no longer tempted. You'll never get there, this side of heaven. Only once you're in heaven where sin has been removed and, and is no longer in our presence will there be no temptation. But this side of heaven, you will always be tempted. So what is the process of falling into temptation? I just want to give you one example. Um, imagine a salesman uh, knocking on, on your door. We have a little sign on our front, our front door saying, no salesman, don't bother knocking or whatever. They don't take any notice. Boom, boom, boom. Knock on the door, trying to sell you something. Uh, so imagine a salesman knocking on your door. And you open the door and he tells you what he's selling. And at that point, if you're not interested, it's not really very difficult to say, sorry, I'm not interested, I'm busy, bye-bye. It's quite easy to do that. But just suppose instead that you chose to invite the salesman into your home. So he comes in, he sits in your living room, and he makes his sales presentation, and then he talks to you about how much you need this product and how much better your life will be if you have it. So you offer him some tea, and he says nice things about your home and the photos of your uh, children or whatever it is, or relatives on, the, on your mantelpiece, and uh, some sort of relationship begins to be formed. And all of a sudden, 
it becomes much harder to say no to this man. And that's what it means to enter into temptation. You've engaged with it. You've connected with it. You have given it permission to enter your home and now it's sitting there right in your living room. There it is. You've invited it in. Friends, if you remember nothing else this morning, remember this. Every time you say yes to temptation, it becomes harder to resist. Every time you say yes, it becomes harder to resist. Every time you say no, it becomes easier to resist. So temptations will knock on your door this week. It will, for all of us. And Jesus says, watch and pray so that what, so that what will come to you will not enter into your home and trap you. And then in the 1 Corinthians passage, Paul tells us um, the following. He says, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Paul says that no matter what temptations uh, the Corinthians were facing, they were not unique to them. And often we think that we're the only ones who are struggling with a particular sin. And we're ashamed and we're embarrassed or we feel bad that we've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years and yet we're still struggling in this area. And we think nobody else is, it's just us. So we don't share it because we're embarrassed by it. And Paul says he wants to release you from that. He says, no temptation that you're facing is unique to you. You will be amazed at how many other people in the congregation are going through the same battle. Now they may differ in severity or in duration, but they're not exclusive to you, Paul is saying. And Paul tells us that... uh, Paul tells us this because he wants to encourage us. You're not alone, he's saying. It's not exclusive to you. So look around at others who've succeeded in overcoming these temptations, these battles. And as you do so, be encouraged. Speak with them. Gather gather around together because we can find strength in resisting temptation together. It's one of the wonderful things about being in a two-to-four group. You can share those things with your two-to-four Uh, partner or partners, whether it be once a week, um, uh, once every two weeks, once a month that you meet, wherever it may be. It's a wonderful opportunity to have that, that accountability. So no temptation, whatever it is you're going through this morning, it's not exclusive to you. And I'm not just talking about the obvious um, temptations like sexual temptation or other, I'm talking about things like fear and other things or gossiping or whatever, I don't know, other things that we may, uh, uh, temptation to be angry, temptation to be unforgiven. There's loads of other temptations. And then Paul goes on to say, (coughs) no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up against it. Notice that Paul is saying, when you are tempted. Again, he's, again, just like Jesus is not saying not if you're tempted, he's saying when you're tempted. And what Paul is saying isn't that we won't be tempted, but that we won't have to sin when we're tempted. 
because God will always provide a way out so that we can bear or withstand the temptation. So how can we avoid falling into temptation? Well, Jesus um, gives us some pointers in the Matthew passage. He says to us, when you're tempted, uh, before you t- watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray. So I want to look at those two um, areas, watching and praying. How do we watch? How do we watch? What do we watch for? Well, the first thing, there's a number of things, but I'll just give you about three or four here. But the first thing to, uh, I, will, I will suggest that you watch for are temptations that you're most prone to. Watch out for temptations that you're most prone to, and they'll be different for each of us. And the temptations we face are often tied to the personality type or person that we are. So how well do you know yourself this morning? Because the temptation that you will face will often rise out of who you are. King David, for example, was an impulsive person. And his temptation with Bathsheba reflected that impulsiveness. He saw her bathing on the rooftop and on impulse he seduced her. There are certain kinds of sin that the impulsive person is prone to. So be aware of those if you're an impulsive person. I tend to be quite impulsive. A person who's naturally cautious may be tempted to live life in fear rather than actually taking steps of faith. The temptation is to withdraw away from stepping forward. A person who's a perfectionist will be tempted to feel that nothing anybody else does is good enough and they become very difficult to live or work with. And so on and so on and so on. Do you get the the idea here? So get to know and watch for those temptations that are true of your temperament and your makeup. Ask God to help you see what you are up against. Psalm 139 is a wonderful prayer to pray in that respect. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So watch for what you're most prone to. Secondly, watch uh, for when you're most for most when you're most vulnerable. Watch out for your most vulnerable times. The disciples in the Matthew passage uh, were in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was late at night and they were tired. They were exhausted from the day's ministry. And I don't know about you, but that's a vulnerable point for me. When I'm tired, I'm vulnerable. Things get, uh, easily get blown out of proportion in my mind. Uh, I become less patient, more irritable, more easily provoked. Ask my wife and daughter. They'll testify to that late at night. Often I say to them, once 10 o'clock has gone, don't talk to me about anything meaningful or anything, you know, anything that takes any brain power. Don't expect too much from me. Um, but they, they still ask me and I still <laughs> become less patient, more irritable and more easily provoked. When I'm tired, I'm more vulnerable to temptation when I'm tired. So watch for your vulnerable times. Thirdly, watch for something practical you can do to, to resist temptation. A great strategy is to flee, is to run Avoid the situation. Remember in Joseph, 
when um, Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him, and on one occasion she grabbed, literally grabbed hold of him, and he just ran from her, and she was left holding his coat in her hands because he just ran to get away from her. He fled from the temptation so he wouldn't succumb to her advances. I remember uh, years ago, there's, um, I've used this example before, but some of you, some of you may remember, there was a, a guy who was um, um, uh, struggling with um, sexual temptation. And every day when he used to w- walk to work, he used to walk past the newsagents, and on the newsagents there used to be r- rows and racks of pornographic uh, magazines. And as he would pass the, the newsagent, he would look at those and it would just like uh, get his mind going, setting his mind off on, on the wrong track. And he sat down with his pastor and he was saying, it's driving me mad, I can't, get, I can't resist this temptation. Every day when I walk past uh, the newsagents, I look at these magazines on the racks there and I just, get, I just get sucked in and I just start doing all manner of things and thinking all manner of thoughts and it really messes up my whole day. I've tried to do this, I've tried to do that, I've really tried hard to avoid it and I can't, I just keep doing. What can I do? Please tell me what I can do. I've tried everything. And the pastor turned to him and he said, have you tried walking on the other side of the road? And it was that simple. It really was that simple. He just walked on the other side of the road so the temptation wasn't there. He avoided it. Sometimes it's that simple. Or if you're prone to watching pornography on your computer, put a safeguard on your computer or have an accountability partner that can log on, that that can have access to what what sites you're watching. So if he sees you've gone on a dodgy site, he can ring you up and say, hey man, what's happened? You know, you've given in, let's talk about this. If someone draws you into gossip or slander, don't engage with that person. Don't engage with them. No, I'm not interested in that. Shut them down. If you're a shopaholic, well maybe you should avoid the shopping centres. If you have an unhealthy attraction towards somebody, then don't ever be alone with them. Don't ever be alone with them. Fleeing is a great strategy. Seek to avoid situations and people that will draw you to give in to temptation. And fourthly and finally, so we've looked at um, how do we watch? Watch for what you're most prone to, your vulnerable times, practical ways to avoid temptation. And fourthly and finally, watch out for overconfidence. Watch out, especially if you're a long-standing, mature Christian. The temptation is to say, well, I will never have an affair. I will never succumb to pornography. I've resisted all this stuff for years. I can handle it. Well, the Bible says, the one who thinks, be careful, the one who thinks he stands should be careful lest they fall. Be careful. And Peter reminds us of the great dangers of overconfidence. The Apostle Peter, remember, when he denied Jesus, he was the one who said to Jesus, I will never disown you. Oh, this lot will. You know, they said they'll probably will, but I will never disown you. I love you too much. I'm too faithful. I'm committed, devoted to you. I will never disown you, Jesus. Even if all fall away on your account, I never will, he says to Jesus. It will never happen. And Peter didn't know the weakness of his own flesh. And so he didn't watch. And he didn't pray. And what happened? 
he did enter into temptation. Do not fall into the trap of overconfidence. Watch and pray. Don't put yourselves in situations where you might fall because you're overconfident. So how do we deal? Um, so, so how do we deal with um, That's all well and good. They're the things that we can watch out for. But how do we deal with the temptations that we can't flee from? And Jesus says, well, don't just watch. Pray. So how should we pray? Well, you can begin by praying honestly. Start by being totally honest before the Lord. Tell God exactly what you're struggling with. He knows anyway, but tell him. And after you've told God exactly what your struggle is, ask him to help you. Tell him that you need strength. You can't do this on your own. That you need help trusting him. A, a prayer that I often pray um, is when, it, when, it's, uh, when I'm uh, dealing with uh, a really... When I'm struggling with temptation in certain areas, I say, Lord, help me to see and feel the same way that you would do about this temptation. Help me to see and feel. Help me to see it as you see it. Help me to feel about it as you would feel about it. That I may be repulsed by it and be turned away. Lord, help me to see and feel the way that you would about this. So no matter what the temptation is, bring it before the Lord. Because if we insist on fighting our battles alone, the chances are we will lose them alone. Don't fight your battles on your own. You don't have to. That's why we're a church body. That's why we're a family. So that we uphold and support one another in our struggles. Not to fight them on our own. So pray honestly. Another thing you might want to do, you may find helpful, is to pray and claim God's promises. If you're struggling with a specific sin, find a verse in the Bible that is applicable to that struggle and claim it and remind yourself of it. For example, if you're a fearful person, if you're struggling, if you're tempted to be fearful in certain situations, well, there's 365 verses in the Bible about fear. One for each day of the year. So grab hold of one of those two and pray them and claim them. If you're tempted to be, uh, to be overly concerned about your finances, remind yourself that Jesus said God cares for the birds of the air and the grass in the fields. How much more will he care and provide for you? Remind yourself of that promise and pray it. Lord, you said it, I claim it. It's a wonderful prayer that. Find the promise that God says and, and, and pray that. Lord, you've said it here. I'm claiming it. You've said it, so now I'm claiming that you will do it. You promise. If you're tempted not to forgive yourself for something that you've actually done, maybe years ago or more recently, remind yourself of the passages that tell of God's forgiveness and how when he forgives us, he no longer remembers our sins. It's as though they never, ever occurred. And so on and so on and so on. Look for passages that relate to your temptation and use them as a prayer for yourself in resisting uh, temptation. So as we conclude, Jesus gave, <coughs> Jesus gave the command to his disciples to watch and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. But they didn't obey, <laughs> and they entered temptation. They fell asleep. 
He said, please, I need you to support me. Stay awake with me during this hour of turmoil and unbearable pain that I'm carrying. Stay awake. Watch and pray. And they didn't. They fell asleep. And if we're honest, that's our position. We have not kept the command of Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned in many ways. All of us have not watched and prayed as we ought. And we've entered into temptation and sin mars our lives because of it. At the Last Supper, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. So Jesus was praying for Peter not to fail. And he said, well, hang on a sec, but, Jesus, but Peter failed, didn't he? <laughs> That's right, he did. And Jesus knew Peter would fail to watch and fail to pray. And that within a few hours, he would curse and swear blind that he did not even know Christ. Jesus knew Peter would fail, but he prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. That Peter's faith. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, you watch out. Satan will come against you with everything he's got. He wants to destroy you. But I have prayed that your faith will not fail. I have prayed that when you fall into sin, it will not be the end of you. I have prayed that when you fall, you will look back to me and be restored. And the next day we're told Jesus went to the cross where he died bearing our sins and our failures. And then we're told that he rose three days later from the dead. And we're told now that he's at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing at the right hand of the Father? He intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf. Can you imagine Jesus right now at the right hand of the Father on his knees pleading and petitioning and praying for you? I mean, just think about that for a while. Just find a quiet space sometime this week and just think, picture that. That Jesus at the right hand on his knees pleading and praying and interceding for you and whatever it is that you're going through at this moment. Christ died for you. Christ intercedes for you. Isn't that amazing? The Son of God is at the right hand of the Father, and He's for you. He's for you. He's rooting for you. He's backing you. And He's for you when you win a battle with temptation, and He's for you when you fail. That's why there's hope for you when you fall into temptation. Because there is always a fresh start awaiting the repentant sinner. And that's what the communion table reminds us of this morning, that we're going to be sharing in, in a moment. It reminds us that failure is never fatal for the believer. That there is always a way back. There is always restoration. Because that is why Jesus died. Once for all. Peter's failure in denying Christ was actually the making of him. <laughs> it was actually the making of him. Because Peter's failure 
then led him to repentance. And it proved that his faith was genuine. It made him, his failure made him more humble, more realistic about the weaknesses of his flesh. He wasn't so arrogant and overconfident anymore. He was more grateful to his saviour because he was restored afresh. He was more gentle towards others and understanding towards others who also failed. It was the making of him because he repented. For Judas, it was his, the destruction of him because he never repented. Peter repented and it was the making of him. Judas never repented. He regretted, but he didn't repent. Big difference. He didn't turn away. Peter did, and it was the making of him. So as we close and come to the communion table this morning, Christ extends his invitation to come. The bread and the wine inform us to come. Come before being tempted. Come when you're in temptation. Come when you have fallen to temptation. Whatever category you fall in this morning, Jesus says, come. I have made a way for you to come back to me. He's able to help you when you're tempted. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to restore you when you have fallen. And as Jude 24 says, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great, great joy. So as we gather this morning before the communion table, I want us just to reflect on God's word this morning and just reflect on where it is that we find ourselves Were you at the stage before being tempted? Were you at the stage where you're in temptation? Whether you've fallen into temptation this morning? I want us to pause and to reflect on the wonderful truth that Jesus is able to help you when you're tempted, that he's able to keep you from falling, that he's able to restore you when you have fallen and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great, great joy. It's what the cross is all about. It's why he died, to enable that to happen. So we're going to allow Jesus to minister to us by his Holy Spirit into those areas that he's touched us on this morning through the preaching of his word, which never returns to him void. It never comes back to him empty. So the Lord would have spoken to you in some way this morning. And now's your opportunity to respond to him in whatever situation you find yourself, whether you're looking that you're feeling you're given into temptation, whether, whether you have and you need restoration. This is the time to put things right before the Lord again. So before we come to our time of communion, I just want to give you a moment just to bring before the Lord 
that thing or those things that the Spirit of God has impressed upon you this morning. And if there's any known sin in your life, to confess it before him this morning. Acknowledging that failure is never fatal for the Christian and that Jesus Christ longs to restore you and make you new again. Restore that relationship with him that maybe has been broken or damaged because of known sin in your life. And then like Peter, you can rise up again from the ashes. Just a moment to pause and just bring those things before the Lord that we know we need to confess this morning. So almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in your great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all who truly repent and turn to you in faith, have mercy upon us this morning. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, who in your great mercy has given us your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die upon the cross for our sins, and in doing so has made a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice for that sin. We thank you right now for your grace, for your forgiveness and for your great salvation made freely available by that sacrifice for all those who freely receive and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And we remember now in obedience Jesus' final command to us before his death to always remember his great sacrifice by eating the bread and drinking the wine, representing his body and his blood given for us. And so on the same night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it.
And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many, for the remission of sins. Do this often in remembrance of me. In a moment, we're going to do things slightly differently this morning. Um, Grace can you, and Anna, could you come to your designated positions, please? What we're going to do this morning, uh, we're going to be playing some uh, background music in a moment. And if folk from the right-hand side of the hall, I from that way, if you can come to Grace and just uh, take uh, a carton of wine and a wafer and the left-hand side of the church, if you can come to Anna, uh, hopefully we'll have enough, uh, and take your carton and then go back to your seats and then we'll all take uh, the bread and the wine uh, together as one, uh, one body. Uh, there's a little film, for those of you who have not used these before, there's a little film on top of the, the container which holds the um, wafer and then you just rip off the, um, the pink bit uh, afterwards and that will open up the, the wine for you. So can we have the background music, please? And as, uh, as you feel ready, if we can start from the front rows um, and then 